And it doesn't matter if it's in the middle of the musical phrase, right? And so what we were talking about before about being out of your head, you cannot be out of your head. You must be completely in your head. And I've spent 30 years trying to get out of my brain and suddenly I have to be completely in my brain, right? You know, when the guest comes out, I got to start the fill as their knees start to bend and they start to get in the seat. And I need to end that fill when their butt gets in that seat, right? Coming directly from the horseshoe crowd capital of the world, get a leg up and get ready for the hydrant. And now, 16-time international toenail clipping champion, your host, Jim Cooper. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Hydrant. I'm so looking forward to this. With me today is Clementine Moss, and you can find out all about her at clementinemoss.com. And there's some other URLs we'll talk about in a minute. So first of all, thank you for doing this, and welcome to the program. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. You know, when I read your bio, I was like, oh, I have to talk to this person. (laughs) I just have to talk to this person. (laughs) Just just to give our listeners some idea of what's going on here. Clem is a depth hypnosis practitioner. And for all my voiceover friends, try to say that five times fast. (laughs) An applied shamanic practitioner and a non-denominational minister of the Foundation of the Sacred Stream. She has certificates in energy medicine, plant medicine integration, and conflict resolution under the instruction of Issa Gucciardi. Do I have that Uh pronounced correctly? Issa Gucciardi. Uh Figures. I'd screw up the first name because I spent all this time practicing (laughs) the last name. (laughs) God. I has a certificate in contemplative psychotherapy from the Melanda Institute and is a master of morphic awakening, energetic healing technique, a profound modality that promotes energy healing on all levels. Now, she is also the drummer for, among many other bands, a Led Zeppelin cover band called Zepparella. And if you haven't seen any of these, just go out to YouTube and watch the video. First of all, they sound phenomenal. Mm. I mean, it's just like I was listening to the immigrant song and it's like that if I just heard that without looking at it, I would have thought it was Zeppelin mm. right from the start. So um, so we're going we're, we're gonna to talk about that. She's published a book recently uh, from Bonham to Buddha and back the slow enlightenment of the hard rock drummer. And I'm dying to find out how this all came together. And this is the other URL. If you want to find out about the book, go to Clem the Great, which is a great URL, <laughs> dot com. <laughs> and there's all sorts of information out there. Okay. So <laughs> what came first, the spirituality or the drumming? Well, definitely. Uh, it's funny because there was a big convergence for me around the age of 27. Now, I will say that I always had a lot of um, kind of contemplative leanings, right? Like just uh, um, really interested in the big picture my whole life, mostly through literature, you know, because I was a writer and a reader and but then uh, around 27 years old, two things, two big things happened. I took, went to my first 10-day silent meditation retreat and had kind of a big experience in that. And then 
took my first drum lesson. So that was kind of a pivotal time in my life where I had, you know, I was living in New York City. I'd moved to New York to be a writer and I was just flailing around. I really didn't know what that meant, um, who I was. I felt like I had nothing to write about, no story of my life yet. Um, I think I'm a very late bloomer. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I gave myself a lot of time to kind of figure myself out, I think. And, um, and then drumming found me, you know, I took my first drum lesson and I just got pretty obsessed with it a little bit um, and felt like I'd finally found my instrument in my life. Mm. And started playing bands and then started playing in a band that, you know, ended up touring like a lot, a lot, a lot. And um, 30 years later, here I am with uh, <laughs> a 30-year spiritual practice of uh, contemplative practice and then uh, 30 years on the road as a rock and roll drummer. Yeah, I, I thought those two things were very separate. I thought I would had this double life, but, you know, as I... As I look back and kind of uh, figure myself out even more, I realize it's all kind of one thing. And that was where the book came from, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And in my mind, you know, as, as a drummer, I would think that the spirituality side really kind of grounds you into focusing on the drumming side. No? Well, you know, as a musician, as a drummer, and as any musician knows that you're spending a lot of time looking for that place within yourself where your mind is not active and the music is playing through you, mm. right? We all know this. We know when we're sitting playing as a drummer, you're playing repetitive patterns over and over and over and over, trying to get that muscle memory. Um, and you know that you can kind of fall into a, um, a state of, um, of contemplation, a state of um, that place we look for on the meditation mat beneath the conscious critical mind where we're allowing it to happen through us. And right. um, yeah, so it, I think a lot of musicians do have, uh, you know, come to those kind of realizations that um, the more that we can get out of our head, you know, the better, mm. the better we play. It's interesting because, you know, people will come up to me and say, you know, how do you do that? How do you get all four limbs going at the same time? And it's like, don't you get confused? And it's like, no, I'm not even paying any attention to it because I'm in the middle of the music and it's a feeling that goes through me. It's I'm not focusing on left arm, right foot or anything like that. It's just I'm part of the music and it's it's just working. This is what I feel when I play. That's right. That's right. And my drum teacher uh, had a great way of explaining it. He said, um, you know that place when you're looking all over the house for your glove and you're like walking around for five minutes and then suddenly you look down and your glove has been in your hand the whole time? He's like, put your mind there, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I kind of see it like I'm putting my mind kind of like right in front of me and not I can't concentrate. If I start thinking left foot, left foot, left foot, it all kind of falls yeah. apart, right? You have to yeah. put your mind in this other place. Um, yep. You know, they call it the flow state that, you know, lots of people have different words for it, but, um, but it's a, it's a, it's a really wonderful place, not because you're both um, completely present and you're also in this wider awareness, 
right? So it's right. not like you're, it's not like you've left your body, right? And this thing is happening. Sometimes we have that kind of feeling, but we're also hyper aware. And so it's, it's, um, I imagine it's kind of when, you know, a skier is barreling down a, a you know, a ski slope, you know, in a race, they're both hyper aware of every little thing that's happening, but they're also like not able to focus on those things, to fixate right. on those things. Yeah. Like you, I, I discovered all that later in life. Um, and got to the point where, and I had a, a teacher who really introduced me to kind of that mindfulness kind of meditation where you just focus on the sounds. You know, I hear this, oh, I hear that, I hear that. And just to bring you into the present and calm my mind down a little bit. And uh, it's worked. One, it's so relaxing to me. And it's just like, this is the way for me to get to get centered. And I, I find myself doing that on a daily basis because otherwise with everything else going on in the world and all the other junk going on, it just gets overwhelming. It gets overwhelming. And it also, you know, with all that junk going on in the world, all of the difficulty, all of the, you know, the unrest and that stuff that really gets us down. I, I feel like it's important to say that that um, that practice of finding that within ourselves, over time, it allows us to kind of open to a kind of, I, I want to say the word compassion, but it's, you know, that has, it's kind of a loaded word, but it's like, if I'm able to find this peacefulness, there is an underlying peacefulness in everything and in everybody right and so we right. start to be able to not you know i think a lot of the problem in the world today not to get too heavy is we other people you know that that person is less than human less than me less than deserving right when we find these places within ourselves it opens us up to being able to see other people with that kind of compassion they have that struggle as well and they also have that that ability to find that peacefulness in them. And maybe in looking at the world that way, we're able to find solutions rather than this constant, just, you know, me against you. Yeah. Right. The, the, the buzzword of the past five or six years, but it's, it's more than a buzzword. It's, it's reality. It's like, and you said compassion, the word that popped in my head was empathy. It mm -hmm. allows you to have empathetic feelings for Everyone, you yeah. know, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, whatever it happens to be, religion, you know, we're all human beings on this planet, on this rock floating around yeah. in space, if you yeah. want to really big picture it. And, you know, what the hell are we doing? Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> right. So it's just like. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I, and my ears are really sensitive now to anybody who tells me that somebody is less than or less mm. worthy or, um, you know, my ears become very kind of perked up like, uh, that person's trying to control me with fear. That, yes. tr that true person's trying to make me afraid of that person rather than seeing a solution of working together. So, you know, I think that's, that's something to, to keep in mind. You know, that's, that's the aspect that just befuddles me is like, why can't we all just kind of sit down and talk this out in a rational, 
non-threatening, non-emotional way and say, okay, what do you want? This is what I want. Let's find a compromise here. Let's, yeah. let's figure out what's going on. Well, and, you know, that's one thing I really love about being a musician, you know, is that, uh, you know, my audience, the people who come to see me, they're on every side of the spectrum, right? right. I know this. I have great fans who I know we don't vote the same way, maybe, right? Right. And yet, when we're in that hall listening to music, we're one. We're one being, all opening our hearts to this experience of connecting through music. And, you know, when I think about, I live in San Francisco, when I, when I walk down the street, like, there's pretty much 99% of people that I have, can have a conversation with, mm -hmm. you know, like, I don't, you know, we forget, and I think maybe some people are so isolated, they forget that if they go for a walk, like, you can kind of get along with everybody. I mean, there's really very few people right. who have ulterior motives or negative intentions because they're in some kind of suffering pain, you know. Well, and that's, and that it really is the beautiful thing about, you know, music and, and mm -hmm. art and, you know, it, it brings us together. It reminds us of our common humanity, our common heart, you know, and, um, and I, I'm really, uh, you know, I, I feel like that's, um, that's someplace that we can meet and remember, you know, kind of remember right. who we are. Right. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and I do, I have, I'm very, I'm a very hopeful person as far as the future. And uh, I think it's kind of my job to be hopeful <laughs> because I have a lot of, <laughs> have had a lot of uh, benefits in my life. And, um, and, you know, I, I, I think that, um, you know, we, we, if we push ourselves to, to, to think the best, sometimes we're more pleasantly surprised. Right. Yeah. Right. And then people don't like, get when you're optimistic i'm finding more and more but feels but, dangerous almost it feels like all, it feels yeah. like you know you're going to be judged as like oh you just don't you don't know real the real deal about what's going on right. or whatever and, like, and you know i just i i happen to really kind of love human beings like they're weird <laughs> and quirky and you know i have a lot of them in my life that you know are wacky as heck and i i really love humans so. those, those are the people that you want to be around because they're just too much fun yeah so, let's talk about the book for a second from mm -hmm. bonham to buddha and back the slow enlightenment of the hard rock drummer i have to tell you when i first saw that cover i was like "Ooh, mm. what's this about mm. Because the, the single greatest compliment I ever received as a drummer was I was playing with a band and we were finishing up a gig in a club in New Jersey and we're doing tear down. And one of the stage guys came up to me and said, your playing reminds me so much of John Bonham. Ooh. And I was like, oh, God, thank you. <laughs> right. The highest wow. compliment. The highest oh my God. compliment. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I was like, oh. Well, I don't need to play anymore. <laughs> so, so what attracted you to Zeppelin and John Bonham? Oh, well, I mean, as drummers, right? We're, you know, but I fell in love with Zeppelin when I was, you know, 13, 14 years old in my right. listening on my little stereo and, um, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, so, but I wasn't a drummer, right? I was just a listener. So I wasn't a musician. Right. So I loved um, Zeppelin for, you know, 13 years before I started playing the drums and realized like, oh, it's drums that 
are captivating me like you know it mm-hmm. it was funny it's kind of like a backwards way of of uh, as a drummer of realizing right. the magic of bottom and i didn't think i would ever play i remember uh, in a lesson learning you know trying to learn the ocean and thinking like oh you know bottom's always going to be behind you know beyond me and then you know which is not an easy song to play to start with it's not it's a weird song <laughs> yeah <Right. laughs> They're all weird, you know, uh, Zeppelin doesn't do, you know, it's like, you know, parts don't happen in eights and fours. They happen in seven. They happen in 13. They happen, you know, not, I'm not talking about time signatures. I'm talking about, you know, just structures. So you really got to kind of be aware, you know. I mean, the the amount of time that I know I spent, and I'm sure other drivers have spent trying to figure out the exact timing of like Black Dog. Oh, God. You yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah. It's just like, what the hell are they doing? Who's counting? What's yeah. Going on I know. That? I know. Well, John Paul Jones wrote that, and he said that he wanted to write a song that nobody could possibly dance to. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's true. That's what happened. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's, yeah. that's wild. What, what prompted you? Was there something specific that went bing to say, you know, I need to write this book to show the interaction between the contemplative path and drumming? Yeah, it kind of started off as um, I started writing um, some pieces for, uh, you know, I, I started writing about what it was like to, you know, sit in my house for four days and you know, meditate and read and, and, and all of the contemplative stuff I was doing and then go out the door and drive and load and, you know, um, and be in a rock club and, you know, drink whiskey after the show and beat myself up for not playing well. And, you know, all of the internal stuff that goes on. (laughs) Um, and so I started writing after a weekend, I would kind of write down, you know, uh, about, what that was like. And, um, and then I, you know, it occurred to me, oh, maybe I should put some of these pieces in a book. And I thought I was, it was just going to be a compilation. And then I started doing that and realized, oh, I have to write a bunch more stuff to make it a book book, you know? So it ended up being a little bit more of a memoir where I talk about, uh, coming to drumming and what was happening in my life when I found drumming. Um, and then, you know, it's a bit of a, you know, there's a, several themes. So one of them is, you know, it's a love story to drumming, period. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's a love story to my father who passed away right around the time that I started playing drums. So he never really got to see me play drums. And he was mm-hmm. a big influence in how why I love music so much. He was the ultimate music lover. Um, and so, um, so there are stories about, you know, about that in there and, um, yeah. And so it's, it's a hundred little pieces, um, in there and, um, and is trying to connect the clem dots basically. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a good name for the next book. Clem dots. <laughs> or, or an ice cream, or you know, that ice cream thing, Clem Dot. Right. <laughs> That'll be in your questions. <laughs> <laughs> I may add that on the fly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something else I want to talk about real quick because this just impressed me so much, and I have a question for you. Because looking at your your website, looking going through ClemTheGreat.com. I saw a graphic. Did you actually get to sit in with the Seth Meyers band? 
It's two weeks ago. Yeah. Was it two weeks? Because I saw it was November, and I was like, "Oh, tell me, I missed that." And yeah. It was just like, yeah. How was that? I'm, I'm in. Re- I'm in recover. I'm recovering from that. <laughs> it was. Um, it was. First of all, I was just. You know, it's an unbelievable honor to sit in for a week. You know, um, the show has guest drummers because uh, Fred Armisen is the house band drummer and you know he's a busy man so um they have guest drummers sit in and they have you know some of the best drummers in the world sit in so you know i was um you know it was a big you know kind of thing to wrap my head around that that was going to happen for me and then um you know when we're talking about uh first of all i have to say that every single human on that in that built like on that floor um, and it was really cool because we were right down the hall from the Saturday Night Live set. So I got to go in there and, and that was a big deal for me. Um, but, you know, it, it, every single person on that set were the most wonderful, positive people. You know, the band is inc- they're incredible musicians and right. um, and they're so fun and kind, you know, and they have to do this every awesome. week with a band right. with a drummer right and go through it with the drummer and it was a roller coaster for me of feeling um like i wasn't worthy feeling like there were so many other people who would do a better job feeling like i um i shouldn't be there imposter like all the stuff you know came up it's so i was so grateful for my spiritual practice because it really was a roller coaster of um feeling not good enough because it's really intense like you we we write the songs in the daytime uh for an hour we have practice on a little electronic kit i'm playing and then i'm um before you know so we're playing the commercial we're playing the opening and closing theme we're playing the commercial breaks we're playing and then we're playing when the guests come out and you know the drums are kind of guiding it now when we go mm-hmm. into the commercial breaks the band leader eli says uh two three and i gotta do a crack and we go in right and they're playing the song in my ear before we go so i can i don't have to memorize these okay. seven songs which is helpful and then at the end of the commercial there uh the production manager is holding up his hands and he's counting down 10 seconds and at the end of 10 seconds he makes a motion and i gotta stop and it doesn't matter if it's in the middle of the musical phrase. Right. Right. And so what we were talking about before about being out of your head, you cannot be out of your head. You must right. be completely in your head. And I've spent 30 years trying to get out of my brain. And suddenly I have to be completely Back in my in brain. It. Right. You know, when the guest comes out, I got to start the fill as their knees start to bend and they start to get in the seat. And I need to end that fill when their butt gets right. in that seat. Right. So, and the band is, they, a lot of the time they can't see the cues because they have, um, cameras and stuff in front of them so i'm the one so if i do half a fill instead of a whole fill because i'm all nervous and janky then i'm messing up the band in there you know what i mean so it's a lot of so they have to follow you when when the guest comes out and they they follow and they wait for you to just end it and then they've got to stop at the same time or everyone stops at their own and it really sounds like crap that's right that's right and they're fantastic at it because they do it they've been doing it for years so they kind of know they can anticipate my dumb 
stuff that I'm doing, right? <laughs> so That's yeah, awesome. it was very, uh, it was a very intense. But gosh, what a what a gift to be able to um, <sighs> to be in that. And you know, I flew back, so I was there. Mon- I flew in Sunday. I Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I was on the show Thursday after the show because they uh, record from four to five. I went and flew home to San Francisco. And then on Friday, I had a show uh, with Separella in San Francisco. Op- and then I opened for myself with my original project where I sing. Okay. And, um, and it's so funny because my, every time I've ever done that and had to sing and, you know, front a band is always kind of a mind meld with me because it's it's difficult right sitting behind a drum kit i feel like okay i could do anything but standing in front of the stage has been a whole process for me to be feel comfortable but i tell you when i got up on that stage on friday it felt like nothing because i'd just gone through some of the most intense challenge you know of my career um and so i feel like really that's the biggest benefit is that i i i had to push myself in a lot of ways and now other things feel easier (laughs) yeah it was great and you you mentioned you know being out in front of the stage and just so everyone knows if if you go out to either her website or into the youtube store there's all sorts of bands that clem has played with and there's another there's a specific one out there called the clementine collection that is just a, a bunch of different stuff with different people that she's played with and it's it's you got to give it a listen if you don't pick up a copy because it's it's really cool stuff especially if you're into rock and roll i mean this is this is this is where it is this, this is the mm. backbeat where it is so thanks jim yeah i you know i realized recently cuz i have a, a record coming out uh, probably in january and um and I realized that I've been kind of stupid because I've had all of these original, pro- like every original project, I'm a drummer, so I work with guitarists, right? And we right. write the songs together. So I worked with Gretchen Men from Zeparella uh, on my first record. And um, then I work with a guitarist, uh, Justin Cockett, um, in a project called Stars Turn Me On. And and with each of these, and now I'm working with uh, Daniele Guitardo, uh, another guitarist, um, on this next uh, record and and with each project i name it something new right and now in the age of the digital where it should just be clementine moss it's now i have all of these other projects up there so i'm trying to figure out this big i'm in this big morass of like trying to get all of my stuff together <laughs> right and and make it make it accessible at the same time this is why musicians are not i heard you talking about one of your guests recently talking about the business of music and this is why musicians really need help <laughs> business because it's a whole other brain that i don't know that oh I'm that yeah good at. absolutely i yeah. <laughs> uh, used to go to the the modern drummer festivals religiously but haven't in a long time have you ever played there no, no. I, I wrote a few articles for Modern Right, Drummer, I saw those, um, yeah. But yeah, I've never been to the festival, yeah. I've only yeah, been to it, NAMM uh, twice, too. I, okay. I, I don't know, you know, I'm not really a gearhead. And I think that I, I feel like because I started so late, I've always had this little feeling like I'm not a real drummer. You know what I mean? Even though now it's been 30 years and that. I know that it's kind of goofy, but... 
you know, because I didn't start when I was 14 years old and I didn't play in marching band and I didn't do all of these things that, you know, so many drummers do to get these particular chops. I've always felt, um, I've never really felt like I've kind of fit in in a funny way. So uh, yeah. Uh, being in voiceover, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> because it's just, it's the same thing. It is the same thing in a lot of industries, but yeah. as a drummer, I also get it because it's just like, I would go to the modern drummer festivals just to see who I could meet. Mm. Cause it wasn't so much about the gear as it was the drummers and the performances. And you know, I got to meet a lot of my idols, whether they were drummers or not, and they would just be hanging around and you walk up to them and shake their hand and talk for a little bit. So that's that, cool. that was the fun part for me. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you some of these goofy questions. Okay, good. <laughs> See where this is going to go. <laughs> Who would play you in a movie about your life? Um, I want to say, um, uh, Gosh, you know, whenever anybody, this is what happens when you get older. When everybody asks me is to call up a specific name. Can't come up with it. I can't come up with it. Right? I mean, what is that? Like, it's just so weird. It's like this little. I remember song lyrics from the 60s, but I can't, I I don't even know what I had for lunch today. So it's like. I know. I know. I know. I get it. I want to say, okay, who's the, um, who's the actress she has red hair. She was friends with like the Brat Pack when she was really young. Molly Ringwald. No, no, no. Or before that, uh, not the Brat, the Rat Pack. Like before that. Oh, 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 uh, oh, oh. And she uh, talks to aliens, and um, <sighs> it's gonna drive me crazy. Okay, wait. Wow, I'm drawing a blank with uh, that. She one. was in, in Terms of Endearment. Oh, Shirley MacLaine. Yes, that's who I would want to play with. <laughs> Thank you. Once you said talk to aliens, I was like, oh, that's yeah, who that is. Thank you, thank you. And that would be a good pick, by the way. <laughs> She's so badass. She is so amazing. She is. Yeah. She is. <laughs> what song should play every time you walk into a room? I kind of feel like it should be When the Levee Breaks, just because that song, um, you know, the Zeparella version of that song has had such success. And, um, you know, I, 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 I really, really love Bonham's. Pl- I mean, of course, everybody oh, loves Bonham's playing in that. It's, it's, it's the best. But um, the things I love about that song, drum wise, is just. I mean, of course, is always his feel. It's right. not the te- like the technical is great, but the, it's the feel and the subtlety of the feel. So yeah, I would have to say it's that one. He was really the first drummer out of all the drummers that I idolized back in the seventies that really got me to start paying attention to my feet. Yeah. You know what because- I, what I, you know what I realized, uh, I, and I read this kind of in passing and I realized I'd been doing it for a little while is the left foot is going like this. Yes. It's pivoting. It's going like that. And he's keeping time with his left foot doing this kind of swaying motion. And then I heard an older drummer talking about, Oh yeah, those drummers from the, the 60s and 70s, they would make that uh, rocking motion with their left foot. Um, and it's kind of natural in his playing that I developed that. And it really makes a difference in keeping time. Yeah. Because that's that's become almost required now, especially for the ones that are doing the speed drumming with their feet and mm-hmm. trying to get, you know, up to, you know, 200 BPM for on, on mm-hmm. feet. 
Um, they're doing that whole pivot thing just to get as many strokes in as they can. So. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. What sound or noise do you love? Um, my pug snoring. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> what sound or noise do you hate? I hate the sound of metal on concrete. I hate the sound of like a a um, a shovel, like a metal shovel shovel scraping on concrete. And I'll tell you why, because when it w I was a kid, it was my job to pick up the dog poop on the weekends. And if I slept too late, my father would be outside of my window on the patio and he would be making that sound. And I knew it was going to be a terrible day. <laughs> and it's like now whenever I hear that sound, it's like my teeth hurt. Like, oh, it's awful. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can see that. Mm -hmm. So, well, since you just brought up your pug, what breed of dog would you be? Uh yeah, I, you know, I was thinking, I think I would like to be like a Jack Russell with all kinds of energy. Um, but I think, <laughs> honestly, I'd be um, that golden retriever kind of just like dopey, like, you know, snuggler. Snuggler, let's go. yeah. <laughs> like, let's go. I'm gay. Okay, okay. Whatever you want to do. That's fine. Let's go. <laughs> what food will you absolutely not under any circumstances eat? Cottage cheese. Ugh, thick. I've never even tasted it. it looks wow, terrible. that's like two in a row that have said cottage cheese. That's, really? That's one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've never even tasted it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty gross. I don't like it either. So. <laughs> what Looney Tunes character best represents you? Yeah, I'm a chicken hawk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was that little guy's name? Henry? Henry the Chicken Hawk? Or no, I don't think it was Henry. It was, uh, I can't think of his name, but I just loved it. He was just, <laughs> just a pain in the neck. He was a neck. badass. He's just he a, a little pain in the neck, but he was always like, he was always wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but he was always focused on his goal yeah. and kept marching to that focus. So. <laughs> but he really was a chicken hawk, you know, right. Right? but then the chicken is like 40 times bigger than him. Right. The dog. <laughs> What's your favorite curse word? Fuck. And actually, one of my favorite ones is to call somebody a chuckle fuck. <laughs> because that cracks me up. Oh, man. You know, one of my, one of my best buds and a, a coach I've got in VO uses chuckle heads all the time. Oh, but I've got to tell him about that one. Chuckle fuck. Because <laughs> oh, it's like man. you're, call, you're tell, calling somebody out for kind of being a dumbass. But it's right. also kind of loving, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, you know, I don't like to be too harsh at any point. So, you know, it's like, ah, oh, that chuckle fuck. <laughs> it's just so funny. Oh, man, that's too funny. That's too funny. All right, let's do some, some either or things. I'll give you two things and you tell me what your preference is. Okay. Passenger or driver? Driver. Pineapple pizza or candy corn? Candy corn. Bananas or watermelon? Watermelon. Summer or winter? Winter. Flintstones or the Jetsons? Jetsons. Toilet paper over or under? I have 
absolutely no preference. You are in the minority of, <laughs> of people that don't care because there's so many other people that do care and are very militant about it. As so long it, as it's there, I'm happy. <laughs> as long as that, it shows up. <laughs> that's a great perspective. I love that. <laughs> oh, man. Bewitched or I dream of Jeannie? Oh, the bottle. Yeah. The bottle. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of a no-brainer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. John Bonham or Keith Moon? Uh, well, I mean, I love them both, but you know my answer. I know. <laughs> you said <laughs> Keith Moon. We would have to go, wait a minute. <laughs> we got to go back. <laughs> Erase. Erase. Let's over. Start again. <laughs> What superpower would you rather have, invisibility or shape-shifting? I think maybe shape-shifting. That could be really fun. Yeah, I think that could be really fun. Okay. Yeah. Would you rather give up your cell phone for a month or bathing for a month? Uh, cell phone all the way. <laughs> <laughs> Take it. Take yes. it. <laughs> Take it, please. Get out of here. <laughs> Would you rather lose the ability to read or lose the ability to speak? Uh, speak. Would you rather have to eat only liver for the rest of your life or be forced to watch an episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians every day for the rest <laughs> of your life? Would it be a Kardashian's liver? <laughs> I, I don't know. No, that's pretty dark. Sorry. It is. But that's okay. We like dark. <laughs> uh, well, I, I don't think I could do the liver, so it'd have to be the Kardashians. It would it would be it would be a challenge of compassion. How about that? Yes. It's a it's a tough choice. <laughs> would you rather be two inches tall or twenty feet tall? Oh, I think 20 feet. I think big. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Little, little seems scary. <laughs> it doesn't get squished. Yeah. Real easy. So would you rather have a car horn that plays YMCA or own a car with your favorite cartoon character painted on the side? <laughs> um, I think maybe, uh, I'm trying to think of what would give people the most joy. <laughs> <laughs> I think YMCA would be a kind of fun. Either one's going to grab their attention. So yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> I think YMCA would be pretty fun. I think that'd be pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> would you rather be able to breathe underwater or fly? Oh my gosh, that's a real hard one. Mm. Um, I'm. I, I imagine flying. Yeah. Seems to be the most popular. Of yeah, the two. yeah. Would yeah. you rather have whatever you are thinking appear in a bubble above your head for everyone to read or have absolutely everything you do be live streamed for everyone to watch? You know, I heard this question you asked and I was really going back and forth about it because I was thinking, um, you know, both would be a kind of challenge. Like if you ha had everybody see your thoughts, you would 
be very, um, it would force you to be very self-aware to be in complete compassion all the time, right? Um, because, you know, the negative stuff would be the most embarrassing. And, um, and then as far as like being filmed all the time, like, do I really want people to see me like, you know, go to the bathroom and stuff like that. Like that, it's like, it, that's just kind of icky and having to be that self-conscious. So I think I'm maybe, right. yeah, I'm probably overthinking it, but I think maybe bubble. I think it, it, because it would challenge me to, to really try to channel kindness all the time. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's the, the conclusion that I come to is like, if I have someone's filming me all the time, my, my self-consciousness is going to be on 24 seven and yeah, that's just going to make my head explode. So it's that's just right. Or it could be, but it could have the opposite effect too, because it's kind of like, I've always kind of dreamed of going to like a, 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 a nudist colony because I feel like if you're just naked all the time, suddenly it just is no big deal anymore. And you lose right. self-consciousness. Right. And so this is true. that kind of could be a cool experiment as well, where you're just like, yeah, whatever it is, what it is. So I imagine uh, to experience that it, you have to have a certain amount of humility, even going in, because it's just like, cause the way guys think they want to go to nudist colony. Cause they think everyone looks like a playboy model, which is absolutely not the case, but yeah. it's just like, you know, for, for women, I can see where it can be a little bit of more freeing of, of yeah. judgment where the judgment just doesn't happen doesn't happen oh, yeah. anymore yeah. yeah well and also in a nudist colony you're with other people who are naked right and right. so every you know everybody's going through it but if it's only you um you know then that's a different thing so yeah. right that goes back to the nightmare that seems to be universal of uh showing up on stage not wearing anything or whatever it happens to be yeah. <laughs> or maybe that's just me and i think it's universal yeah so. <laughs> well at this point in my life i feel like man it's it's everybody else's funeral <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's like people are looking in. All right, your funeral. All right, go ahead. You know, if, if this is what you're into, yeah. you, you, need, you need therapy, but whatever. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. This was so much fun. It was so much fun. Thank you. I was, I was so looking forward to this. If you want to, well, there's so many things you could do here. Go to clemthegreat.com because it's a great website and it's got everything that she's done, whether it's the book, whether it's writing, whether it's music, whatever it happens to be. And you can get a copy of the book there as well as on Amazon. She's, it's, she's, you're just a fascinating person. I just love having guests like you. So oh, thank you, Joe. good luck with, with everything. And let me know when you're going to be do a, a Seth Meyers thing again or something like that. <laughs> it would be, it'll be cool to see you play outside thank of the videos. Yeah, so, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. So yeah. thank, thank you, you for thank you for watching and listening. And we'll see you next time on The High Club. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us on The Hydrant. The Hydrant announcer is Allison Steele. For outstanding VO coaching and voice acting services, visit Allison at allisonsteele.com. That's Allison with a Y and Steele with no E at the end. Shoot me an email with any comments, questions, worthwhile recipes at bigdog at jimcoopervo.com. This episode copyright 2024 by Jim Cooper VO and Nat Landcore Audio which is solely responsible for its content. No reproduction by writing, 
recording, reposting, smoke signals, AI voice loading, Morse code, or any other electronic or manual recording method known to man is allowed without prior written consent. Come back and play with us next week as the steady stream of outstanding guests continue at the Hydrant. Thank <laughs> you.